Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. I'm Mary Simon, and I'm joined today by Erica Slater, Liz Lenevy, and Amy Gunn. Lately, we've been talking a lot about remote court hearings and the struggles that come with them or kind of funny moments that happen oftentimes with attorneys on these calls. And I thought it would be really timely and important for us to have a conversation about court Zoom etiquette, if you will. A lot of hearings that we've been having are either over Zoom or WebEx, and it just takes a different turn for what does etiquette mean when it's virtual versus in-person. So Amy, I want to go to you first, and I want to ask you about what to wear for virtual hearings. Do you think that what you wear for a remote hearing is anything different than what you'd wear in person? And if so, why? Business on top, party on the bottom, ladies. Just like <laughs> you would expect from a, a TV anchor, right? I mean, you've got to wear your nice suit on top, but put on your sleep pants. I mean, your day, your day pajamas on bottom. I think that's perfectly fine. However, you have to be aware that if for any reason at all, you have to stand up in the middle of the hearing to grab something, you're going to be in trouble. That happened to me, not to me, but I saw it happen. Uh, a gentleman had on a nice, you know, top or tie, whatever on the top. And then he had to get up and get something. He had like these crummy gym shorts on and I was embarrassed for him. And part of this is because I love to get dressed up and I've sort of mourned not getting to put on my work clothes or not having a good reason to put on my work clothes for the last eight, nine months. But I would strongly suggest respect to the court by wearing what you would normally wear to the court, at least, like I said, kind of jokingly, but at least on top. So I'm all, I'm still wearing a dress and a jacket or a shirt and a jacket. My workaround for this has been to invest in pants that are from a distance can look professional, but are actually very comfortable and very loose and probably have a drawstring in there somewhere. And so far it has worked out really well for me. So invest in comfy pants. I have worn black jeans actually for some of my court hearings for that exact reason, because they're more comfortable than, you know, typical suit pants, but they still look okay. in the event that I need to stand up, you know, it still looks like I'm wearing black slacks and a blazer. And so it seems like a running theme with our group is at least you have to show respect to the court. You're not showing up, you know, in a t-shirt to any of these hearings, but at least on the top, it looks exactly like you would be if you were presenting to court in person. Another kind of a funny aspect of at home or remote hearings that I've experienced is just looking at kind of what's behind people in their background sometimes it can be distracting if someone has a ton of clutter and stuff around them it's you almost find yourself trying to read the names of the books behind them on their shelves so i'm curious liz i know that you've been working at home a lot lately especially over the last several months and i i want to know if you prepare your home workspace in any particular way before you have a court hearing 
So when the work from home started a couple months ago, my husband and I both had to learn how to, you know, shift from being in an office setting to working within our house. Now, luckily, we have a split level house. And initially, I took the downstairs guest room and my husband took the upstairs office. And our downstairs guest room was also sort of doubling like a pantry. So the way the room was set up, everyone could see what was in my pantry. So it looked like I was almost sitting in a closet or something when you can see all the spices and different teas I have. And I thought that that looked really (laughs) unprofessional. And what my husband and I sort of figured out after a couple of weeks was I was on several more Zoom calls than he was where I actually needed to be seen. And so we switched our offices. And so now I am in the upstairs office. And the way I have set up that room is it literally faces an empty wall. There is nothing on the wall. It's just a white blank background. And it's for the reason that you said, Mary, which is that it's really distracting to have a bunch of clutter and all of that. Now, I I think you can you got to work with what you've got if you have a small space, if you don't just have the room to to try to make your background as undistracting as possible. What I found that by creating that space where it is sort of just blank and not cluttered is it makes me appear more professional. I think something else that I have really taken into consideration is can I get natural lighting where I'm standing? Where do I position my lights? That's something that drives me crazy when I have to be on a Zoom call with someone and they've got a lamp directly up their nose and the camera angle is directly up their nose. That's a terrible angle guys. So there have, there there have been a lot of things (laughs) that have gone into consideration into how I have set up my space. Have you had any hearings where you're not sitting at your desk? I was on a docket last week waiting for my hearing. And one of the attorneys was just sitting in his car in a suit, it seemed, on the call. It just makes you think, you know, where is he? Is he pulled over on the side of the road? Is he, maybe he's at his house and doesn't have a quiet space. So he's just sitting in his car. But have any of you thought that the nature of remote hearings make you more able to kind of be mobile when you're attending these hearings? I've taken that approach to treating being on a remote hearing like being in the judge's chambers and making sure there's no distractions, that I am set, ready, have my documents ready, have my argument ready to go. There is a funny thing about having a contested hearing when you can't stand up. There's something about standing up and arguing your motion that brings me more power. I don't know. I've had a couple of telephone hearings where I did stand up, as I'm arguing and pacing and, you know, I was able to think and kind of spit out my argument a little bit better. But yeah, I completely treat that as I don't want any distractions. I don't want any noises, pets, things like that. And I've quite frankly found that really hard at home because some of the stuff that's out of your control, like I have never thought I would figure out that my neighbor like hedges the sidewalk grass like every day. Why? Why would you do that? I mean, God bless him. He's lived there for 40 years and I think he's been retired for 30 of them. So those kinds of things interfere with those hearings. And I've made the decision to come into my office for most of my depositions and hearings. But that also is a decision that 
I've made weighing the risks. You know, I have an office, a large office with a door, and I can get from my car to my office without touching anything. And judges have varying levels of understanding about that. Because I, I feel like I've seen most judges attend hearings from their chambers or even on the bench. Their setup is actually on their bench. So that makes it feel even more formal on the other side of that feed. The same docket call that I was on where I uh, just referenced that attorney who was sitting in his car, you never know on some of these dockets whether you're going to log on and it's just going to be the judge and opposing counsel and you're hearing only, or it's a docket, especially when we practice in a bunch of different venues. And this was a more rural venue in Missouri, and I found myself sort of behind the criminal docket, the tail end of a criminal docket, which as you all know, and I'm sure you've had to sit in courtrooms before as the docket just goes on and on. And my hearing was supposed to be at 11 and around 1230, I still hadn't been called and I had a sandwich sitting on my desk and I'm thinking, (laughs) do I take a bite? Or do I just wait? Because I know as soon as I take a bite, it's going to switch to the civil cases. I'm going to be first. And I had no idea where I was on the docket. And I took very, very small bites of my sandwich. And while I was eating it, the judge called my case. And I very quickly, you know, choked down my bite of food and then turned on my video. And okay, I'm here because obviously I'm not sitting on my video eating food. Erica, something that you talked about I want you to expand on a little more, which is different levels of, you know, reasonableness or the overall tone that courts have taken or judges have taken in your experience during COVID and working at home, particularly with some of those distractions that are out of your control. So, I mean, if you're on a hearing with other attorneys and the judge and someone hears a baby start crying or someone hears a lawnmower going, does the judge just sort of stop and and take a minute? I think it has been really a factor of first kind of the progression of time as we've been doing this through COVID and also what style of hearing it is. I have a couple examples. Amy, you might remember a hearing we were on like the first week we were home and it was a Zoom call and it was you and I and another attorney and we were all like professional enough And the judge was like in his basement in a T-shirt, like his floodlight was behind his head. And he kept, you know, doing that thing where you block the light, unblock it. Oh, it was so rough. And now, you know, he's in full suit in his chambers with his webcam and Zoom. So that was a good example of, you know, the progression of things. I actually think that Zoom hearings in general, especially when you have to show up for a small thing at a large docket, are so efficient. It makes so much sense. But I think that's when those distractions are not tolerated. I've literally been on a docket with like 60, 70 attorneys logged in to the Zoom. I mean, if there's any noise or distractions in the background, Hearing the frustration in the judge's voice if he or she has to remind everyone to mute their lines, like that's just unacceptable. I was also on another hearing with a judge. It was me and another woman. We were just hearing our matter with the judge. So it was just the three of us on the Zoom. And my opposing counsel, her eight-year-old, like came in and like was making noise or came up from the basement. 
And it was so funny because she just gave him like the mom death eyes and like kind of gritted <laughs> her teeth. And you could hear her go, you know, give him the message. I'm in court. <laughs> and the judge just like paused and started laughing. And quite frankly, it was hilarious. We were laughing about it the next time I talked to that counsel. So that was completely appropriate. So you really have to judge what type of hearing you're in and your familiarity with the judge. And unfortunately, I've even been on big dockets where like th there was a pro se party and like you can tell they're in the car on speaker, you know, waiting for their turn. And there's like people yelling in the car and like it was it was just a mess trying to get that person's attention and have them mute their lines. So the bigger the docket, the less tolerance I've found. And something else, Erica, that you talked about early on about standing versus sitting while arguing before the court, I completely agree with you. Anytime I've had more of a substantive argument or what I think will be a longer argument, I find I'm either propping up my iPad or I'm putting my computer or my laptop underneath something because it just doesn't feel right sitting down. Right. Sometimes I'll find myself standing up or pacing in my little home office space. Liz, have you done that or have you found that you've gotten comfortable adjusting to the new norm? I'm comfortable doing either really. I do have a standing desk at home. I have sort of a makeshift one. And so sometimes I'll stand if I feel like it. But honestly, if, if I am sitting and giving some sort of argument to the court, which I have, I just sit up extra straight. I just make sure my posture is really good. And I don't think I've lost any of my ability. I also like to read the room a little bit. If all of my opposing counsel are sitting, I don't want to be that one weirdo that's standing up. Yeah, it would look weird. <laughs> <laughs> stand at a podium in front of your Zoom feed. <laughs> Amy, have you sat down for all of your hearings? I do sit mainly, but sit up straight. That feels like the most respectful thing to do. I think it's worth reiterating a couple of things that we've talked about. The first is your background. I think we talk all the time about know your audience. I think you have to know your frame, what is in your frame, because it can be really distracting. When I watch television and I see news people or people being interviewed. I mean, I'm constantly trying to read their bookshelves and trying to figure out what that picture is. And I'm not listening to what they're saying. And I think the same is true if you're arguing something. I mean, I trust that most judges are listening to the argument or have already read the briefs or, or whatever the case may be. But why would you want to include anything in your frame that would distract the judge or whoever you're arguing to from your actual argument? Lighting is, is really important, too. I've seen a couple YouTube videos and read a couple articles about the best lighting and, you know, light in front of your camera, not behind you. Backlighting is, is bad. Now, in my main place in my house that I do most of my calls, I do have windows behind me, so I don't really follow that rule very well. But I also have put a lamp in front of my computer to help a little bit with the lighting. So, you know, there's some tricks that we have to do to make our parents, I mean, we wouldn't walk into court looking disheveled or not having our act together. And I just don't see it any differently. And to me, having your act together includes knowing what's in your frame and having your lighting well and your angles looking good. The other thing that has come up that makes me crazy, y'all, is 
people muting their video, you know what I mean? Like not being on the video. And I don't know why y'all might disagree with me, but that feels so rude to me. And if it's, if it's, you're actually arguing, I don't know why you're not on video. I mean, maybe there's a good reason. Maybe your frame is inappropriate. I don't know. But if you're on a zoom, I think you have to be prepared to be on the video. Now, some of these larger dockets, Mary, that you mentioned, if there's going to be 30 lawyers on it, then I think that's fine to not have your video on until you're actually called. That makes sense to me. But for some reason, I think it's kind of rude to be muted on your video. And then just the opposite is true. It's rude not to mute your audio. Like, you've got to be aware. I think you have to just just pay attention. That's all you have to do is pay attention, and we'll get through this. If you're looking for some room inspiration, there is no shortage of room rating on Twitter, which they take screenshots from news publications or whatever. And they basically just give a a rating of the room and say, why, you know, great rug, great use of natural light. Oh, wonderful use of space. Uh, A little bit too much on that shelf there. So if you're looking for some inspiration, the internet will provide. (laughs) Amy, I could not agree more about the video comment that you had just made even on that large docket that I talked about, I kept my video on until the clerk or the court acknowledged that I had joined the call. And then the judge instructed me to just stand by. It's going to be a minute. You can turn off your video. The judge actually instructed the rest of the docket. And it got a little bit frustrating even during the criminal docket portion with all these different attorneys, because some of the attorneys they had their video on, but they just got up from their desk and walked away. And so the judge would call the attorney's name and someone would go, oh, you know, judge, I think he's not in his chair. I think he just walked away from his desk. And the judge is like, okay, I mean, uh, everyone else is here. So does anyone know where he is? And, you know, obviously none of us are in the same office as that guy when the, the judge is asking this, but the judge just moved on. And then it puts the other attorney in the client in the criminal case who were supposed to be called at that time further back on the docket. I think it's just general rule of thumb is that if you are in the courtroom waiting for your hearing to be called and there's someone in front of you, you wouldn't leave and go down the hall and just kind of meander around or because you have no idea when the person in front of you is going to get finished or the judge might the judge might even just decide on his or her own. It's time to switch it up and let's listen to something else and come back to this this particular issue that they're hearing. Have any of you changed the way that you communicate with the court now that you can't just pop into a courtroom and talk to the clerk about an issue when you're at the courthouse or, you know, some some attorneys have been more prone to emailing the judge. And I know from certain CLEs that I've listened to in certain judicial panels, some judges don't like that and some of them don't mind. So it's also kind of starting to understand specific judges' preferences. And oftentimes, if there's technical issues, you need to get a hold of the judge very quickly if you're going to have a hearing or something's happening with the other side or you and no one can connect. How do you communicate with the judge? Do you email? Do you still call? And kind of what is your order of hierarchy that you go through if you need to get a hold of the judge? I still start out with having my assistant call the clerk. I feel like I have to have a prompt from the judge or knowledge of what the judge prefers to do. I'm not comfortable just reaching out or just assuming a phone call or a text or an email is the right way to go. But I 
I also believe that with the age of COVID, all these communications are becoming more evident. In other words, judges are easier to reach because they do are relying more on emails. I feel like I've never emailed judges more in my life than what I do right now. As long as you CC opposing counsel, that's all that matters. I understand if a judge has asked you to email them something. I feel like we've emailed a lot of proposed orders after hearings that everyone CC'd on, but that's not a that doesn't end up being a discussion thread. If any of you have attended a CLE where there was a judicial panel or ju- any judges talking at all about preferences during remote hearings or tips for attorneys during remote hearings. I thought it'd be helpful for us to share those. I'll start by telling kind of a funny story that one of the judges told at a virtual event that I attended a couple months ago. This particular judge was sort of laughing and he told everyone who attended this event to think about yourself on a Zoom hearing as if you're exactly in a real life courtroom. And then he followed it up by saying, you know, if you go to a hearing and you argue your motion and the judge rules against you, what is the first thing you do? You're respectful. You say, thank you, judge. You smile at your opposing counsel. You leave the courtroom, keep the smile on your face. You get in your car, you shut the door. Then you call your best friend and complain about what just happened at court. And this judge was laughing because he said that he has had experiences where attorneys will not turn off their Zoom all the way and immediately start complaining about the ruling that they just received. And this judge is very, very kind and a really reasonable judge. And so you could tell that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't really angry about it. He was more so laughing. But he just said, warning to all of you, treat it like a courtroom in the same way, if something doesn't go your way, you never voice that to the judge in front of the judge right after the hearing ends. So save the comments until your Zoom is off. And he also reminded everyone that it takes two clicks on the computer to fully leave the meeting and to make sure that you do that. It sounds super simple, but hey, he experienced that with an attorney. So why not you know, share the information so it can be avoided in the future? As long as we're talking about the things that are the simple things to avoid. I don't know who needs to hear this, but if your fan is on behind your head in the background, put your laptop on some cookbooks and get it out of the frame. (laughs) It's my biggest pet peeve. it's, It's even worse if there's a light behind the fan. Oh, Lord. Anyway, make sure that doesn't happen. Get your Zoom game right. I think the only real Zoom horror story I've had so far, it was not a court hearing. It was a presentation I was doing. And there were multiple people on the presentation. I had been told before the presentation started that when we took our break, it would be cutting to some ads. And basically, my camera would not be viewable. And that is the uh, reliance I went on. So when we went on our break, I kept my camera on because I was one of the presenters and I started to fix my makeup. And luckily that's all I was doing. I just, I was just reapplying some, some powder and I was fixing my lipstick, but then I started getting some emails. Suddenly my inbox. So did I. Yes. My (laughs) inbox started getting filled with emails from 
folks around the state letting me know they can see me and they can see me doing my makeup. Luckily, I had on a full outfit and, and I wasn't doing anything too embarrassing. But still, that's just a good example of it is always best to err on the side of the camera is on. And as far as, you know, Mary, your story about being careful about when you start complaining about a judge's rulings, I think that that, can, that goes to anything in life. Phone calls, Zoom calls. My rule is now because I've almost made this mistake a couple of times, is I wait 15 seconds after I end a phone call or after I end a Zoom call before I start talking out loud to myself or to others just to confirm that no one else is yes. going to hear anything that I don't want them to hear. In fact, if you're going to start complaining about a judge's ruling because of whatever, maybe just close your laptop out entirely. Just just close it, and and then you can go on your rant. Yeah, that's exactly what this judge said. He said, you know, end the meeting, close the laptop, unplug your computer, whatever you need to do to make sure that you're not complaining about a judge while on the call. So I can do the takeaways for the group on this episode. Treat any Zoom or remote hearing exactly like you're in the courtroom. Know your frame. Obviously, you have to know your audience. And, you know, always make sure that the Zoom meeting has actually ended before you decide to complain about something that took place during the hearing. And with that, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. If you have any comments or questions or you just want to reach out to us with a topic you'd like to hear more about, you can do so by emailing us at comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law. We hope to see you next week. Bye. 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 Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. Connect with Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, or Elizabeth at heelsinthecourtroom.law.